0: <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's about time to begin our worship service. We have a couple, three things to mention before, and then we'll enter our worship service. Alan Payne is at home. John Klein's having more problems with his knee, might need more surgery. Keep him in your prayers. Continue to keep Kelly and Kristen and Rusty in your prayers as each of them are fighting cancer. The Royce family, keep them in your prayers at the passing of Sherry this past week. And I've had mentioned this morning, and we're seeing it more, There are masks in the back of the building if you'd like to have one. If you need one, we'll go get you one. If you'd feel more comfortable to wear it, that will be fine. There's nothing wrong with being precaution if that's what you'd like. And as far as I know right now, the state of Ohio is not masking or separating, but if, if they do, we'll try to be on it as quickly as possible. It's scary to think we, I hope we don't have to do what we did last year. Because two years ago, Gary, Clinton, and myself all had brown hair. (laughs) Whether you remember that far back or not, we did. (laughs) But anyway. Also, keep us in your prayers as we try to make decisions and lead the way that... God would want us to. This morning we have a special prayer request. And Brother Joe is going to leave that here in just a moment. Ed Walls is not doing very good. Will he make it through the day? I don't know. But it's been asked for a special prayer for him, and Joe's going to lead that here in just one moment. I'd like to read Colossians 3, 1, and 2 before Joe has a prayer. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Would you stand for the prayer and remain standing for the first song, please?
1: Pray with me, please. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we come approaching you through the avenue of prayer, asking that you would bless our brother, bless his family. Father, as he is suffering, as he is probably gonna leave us, we thank you so much for the example of faith that he has given us. Father, thank you for just being able to be his neighbor and his friend. Father, more than that, thank you that we are were able to be his brother. We ask that you'd be with us as we go through this service. Father, help us to pay attention to your word to pay attention to the songs father to glorify you in everything that we do father we ask you to bless his family in jesus name we pray amen Amen.
2: first in this morning number 732 we praise thee O god
3: We praise thee, O God, for the Son of God, for Jesus Christ.
2: Be seen. next hymn this morning number 711 true hearted whole hearted <clears throat> now after this end brother Jason Stevens will have our scripture reading and prayer
3: In Thy strength we will battle for Thee. Hear at the watchword, sigh. Let's never. song, of burst, spirits, us rejoice, sing and free. Heal of the watchword, Lord True hearted, full hearted, full blessed allegiance, yielding henceforth to our Bring us King. Thou in ever and loving obedience, freely and joyously now would we bring. Heal of the watchword, silence said, never. Song of our spirits, rejoice, sing and free. Heal of the watchword, no, no, forever. King of our lives, by thy grace we will be true. Hearted, whole hearted say, pure adore Take thy great power and reign there alone. Over our wills and our affections, victorious. Free, they surrendered and hold Lay thine own. Peep at the watchword, sigh. Let's never song of our spirits, rejoicing and free, heal of the watchword, Lord, forever King of our lives, by thy grace we will be.
4: Pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the ability to come and be together to worship you. We pray that our worship this morning will be in truth and in spirit and according to your will. Lord, we pray that you will be with all those who are ill. We have so many, Lord, who are sick and suffering. Be with those who care for those who are ill. Lord, we pray that you will be with uh, those who are struggling. Watch over them. And Lord, we pray that you will give them strength and We pray that you will be with uh, all those who are traveling at this time, as we have many who will be off to college, and we pray that you'll be with our young people as they grow and as they experience new environments. We pray that you will help them to have wisdom even at a young age and that they will always look to you for guidance and strength, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will continue to be with us now as we go through this worship service. We pray that you will forgive us uh, when we fall short and continue to bless us and keep us safe. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Our reading this morning will be from the book of First Corinthians, chapter 12. First Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body.
2: Next, him this morning, number 769. 769, Why Should He Love Me So?
3: Love sent my Savior to die in my stead. Why should He love me so? Meekly to Calvary's cross He was led. Why should He love me so? Me so. Why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? Nails pierced his hands and his feet for my sin. Why should he love me so? He suffered for my salvation to win. Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should, me so? Why should my Savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me so? Oh, how he agonized there in my place. Why should he love me so? Nothing withholding my sin to a face. Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should he love me so? Why should my savior to Calvary go? Why should he love me?
1: We're getting ready to remember and give thanks to God the Father and to Jesus, His Son, for the sacrifice that He made. And I just kind of wonder if we realize that it's my fault. I never thought I'd ever kill anybody. I never thought I'd ever do anything that would kill anybody. Or I never thought that I would have omit doing something that would cause somebody to die. It's my fault. How do you bear responsibility for somebody's death Due to your action or inaction. My sin caused Jesus to go to the cross. Not just mine, but yours also. When I realize that I can do nothing to rectify the situation, only then can I appreciate God's plan of redemption. Follow me as I read from Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity. I did not hide. I said, I will confess transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's why we're here. We're sinners in need of redemption jesus paid that price thanks be to god the apostle john says it a different way first john one and verse nine if i if we confess our sins he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness thank you god for forgiving me let's go to god in prayer father as we partake of the bread which represents the body of your blessed son and our savior please help us to remember his great sacrifice and father your great love for us in his name we pray amen As we look at the fruit of the vine that looks so much like blood, in fact, it represents the blood of Jesus as we partake of it, and we understand how powerful that blood is because it washed away my sin. Let's give thanks. Father in heaven, Our sins grieve us greatly, and we thoroughly depend upon you to alleviate that problem. Father, to bring us back into the relationship that we need with you to be your child. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father, through his name we pray. Amen. This concludes our communion service but we still have the responsibility of maintaining the work at the congregation here and realize that the congregation here helps maintain the work throughout the world. That's our responsibility. We've got to keep the lights on. We've got to pay the preacher. we got to pay the water bill, and the sewage bill, and everything else. We do that through our contributions. And we need to do that lovingly and appreciatively, and in a prayerful attitude. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for the physical blessings that you've given us. Father, you've abounded us we can't understand why you've been so good to us but father even more than that we can't understand why your spiritual blessings are ours when we are so undeserving but father we appreciate that bless our offering may it fit the needs of our community of our congregation and help us to provide light throughout the world In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 761, Where He Leads I'll Follow. So at this time the young children may go to the children's Bible. Amen.
3: We are the promises, kind is the word dearer far than any message man ever heard Sure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see He the great example is and pattern for me Where he leads I'll Great day. Sweet is the tender love Jesus has shown. Sweeter far than any love that mortals have known. Kind to the everyone faithful is he. He the great example is and pattern for me. Where he leads afar. Things I follow, follow Jesus every day. Lift to his loving words, come unto me. Weary and laden, there is sweet rest for thee. Trust in his promises, faithful and sure. Lean upon the Savior and thy soul is secure. Where he leads, i follow follow, follow the way. Where he leads, i follow, follow Jesus every day. Please receive it.
2: What will your answer be this time, Brother Chris?
5: It is good to be back with you this week. Uh, I was sick last week. I appreciate David and Steve and John filling in for me. John didn't even know he was filling in for me. He filled in ably, so I appreciate all those guys. It's nice to, to know that uh, when I can't be here that there are guys that can Fill in this position in such a good manner, uh, so I appreciate that. I am feeling 100 better. I did not have COVID. I am fine. <laughs> so, uh, I appreciate your thoughts, and everybody's been so kind uh, to ask about my health, and I, I appreciate that. We turn into Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. I've been thinking over the last several weeks. Uh, as we concluded Mark, oh, what are we going to do now? I uh, felt like we were in Mark so long. I kind of, I kind of don't know what to do now, and so. Uh, I really want to get back into the study of another book. Uh, and that's coming up, I think, in the next several weeks. Uh, but I wanted to do this series in between Mark and uh, in this upcoming series. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to announce that next week, what, what that book is, and you can be preparing for that. But over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to be thinking about these, these one another passages that you find in Scripture. There's about 60 of them. We're not going through all 60, so don't get anxious. Um, a lot of them cover the exact same ground as one another. They're just, they're just said several times uh, and because they're important, right? <laughs> they're said multiple times uh, throughout the different letters because each congregation needed to understand these principles. It's something we need to understand as well. We find the first one um, this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. Tonight we'll be doing our third Sunday singing uh, so write, make sure to write your uh, your notes on the board uh, outside for your favorite songs, the songs that you want to sing, maybe some songs you want to learn, maybe. Um, but the bulletin article this morning is is kind of about that, but it also plays into our lesson this morning. As we think about Ephesians 5, uh, if you've grown up in the church, if you're familiar with Scripture, you probably uh, automatically think of Ephesians five nineteen. It's the verse we go to, to talk about why we worship a cappella without the instrument. We'll talk about that verse today, but we're going to look at it in a different light. Um, obviously, I still believe uh, in a cappella worship, and that word is there, and we talked about that not too long ago, but I want you to look at this verse in its context today. Uh, and so let, let's dive into to this text. We're going to start in verse 15. We're not going to get very far. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. I just want you to look at the first couple words there because there's some stuff there that we need to be aware of. Look carefully then. If any of your translations have maybe a therefore, or my ESV has look carefully then, we need to stop and look back at the previous section to figure out what the therefore is there for, or why the, why the, why the then is there. So what is Paul talking about ...in the previous section that he says, well, you need to be very careful about how you walk. What's he talking about? Well, if you look back up into uh, starting in uh, in chapter 5, verse maybe 3, let's start there. Paul starts talking about some ways that you can waste your life. None of us want to waste our life, do we? We want our life to matter. We want our life to count. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, 3 through 14, there are some ways that you can waste your life. There's some, there's some empty things that you can just be doing all the time. They can, they can fill your life. that don't mean anything. They don't do anything. Um, and so, let's just, let's just look at some of these just very quickly here. Uh, as, as we walk through this first little section, look in verse 6. Uh, Paul says, uh, "...let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." He's talking about the things he's just talked about in verse 3, right? The sexual immorality, the impurity, the covetousness, uh, the filthiness, the foolish talk, the crude joking. All that stuff he says is out of place among you, among, among disciples, among the church. None of that stuff belongs here. It's a wasted life. As Jesus' people, we're looking to make our lives count. Right? But we're not looking to make our names great. We're looking to make His name great. And so how do you make your life count? That, that's one of the things that I want us to think about today. And, and I think Paul provides, uh, through inspiration here in Ephesians 5, the answer to that question. How do we make our lives count? Well, this first little section here in Ephesians 5 is how you waste your life. People are going to try to deceive you. With some empty words, some 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 useless talk, Uh, it's just going to eat up your time, and you're going to, at the end of your life, think, I wasted my life doing things that don't matter. When uh, when Kelly and I put the kids to bed at night, we'll often go down to to our family area down in our downstairs area, and we'll watch TV. But if either one of us are just sitting there watching TV, it's because both of us are sick. (laughs) Usually, one or both of us have an iPad or a laptop or something. Kelly's doing something for class or something, you know, crafting or something. And I've got the iPad or the computer and designing or thinking or trying to work through something or writing. Uh, I told you guys I'm writing uh, my notes down from from the Gospel of Mark. And I want to be able to give that to you guys. Uh, So that's that's encompassing my time over the last several weeks. Nowhere near done, so it might be a it might be a bit. Um, but if at the end of the night I've just watched TV before I go to bed, I think what a waste! I just sat there and watched this TV show for two hours, and what, do, what what have I gained? Like now I can tell you what happened on episode three of this show. What does that matter? You know, it's a wasted night, and I think that's what Paul's trying to get across to us here is don't don't waste your life. You have such an important job. He's going to get to that in just a second. Don't, don't waste your life with all this, this foolishness, this, this empty talk. In, in verse 11, look down in, in Ephesians 5, verse 11. He says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Unfruitful is the word you want to underline there. He says there, there's, no, there's no produce out of this. It, this. This kind of life doesn't produce anything except death. That's what this kind of life is really good at producing. And in fact, it's the only thing it produces is, is death. And so at the end of your life, if you've lived this type of life, Paul says you wasted it. You just wasted your life. You had a whole, a whole several decades worth of, of opportunity and you just threw it in the trash. God's given us a job. And we waste it sometimes. And Paul wants to make sure that we don't waste our life. And so he wants us to make our life count. And he's going to show us how to make our life count here in in 15 through 21. But we need to understand when we start in verse 15, look carefully then, that Paul's referencing all the stuff that he's just talked about in 3 through 14. All this stuff is just a wasted life. And so you need to look carefully, you need to be very careful about your walk about your faith. Why does Paul use the word walk here? Why does Paul use the word walk? He, he's fairly comfortable talking about uh, our, our faith as a race, isn't he? And in 2 Timothy, he talks to his protege, Timothy, uh, this young man he's left in Ephesus to try to shore up this congregation. He's left him there and he, he said, Paul's at the end of his life. He knows he's about to die. And he says, I've ...fought the good fight, I've run the race, right? He, he refers to our, Christian, our Christianity, our faith... ...on a great many occasions as a race. Why here a walk? Well, both are obviously appropriate terms. I think what he wants us to see here when he says walk... ...is the consistent nature of our faith. We are always supposed to be devoted... We're always supposed to be devout. Let me take you to a couple of verses to show you what I'm talking about. If you turn back over to Mark chapter 7, you guys are like, oh, back to Mark. knew he was going to do that somehow. Well, here it is. Mark chapter 7, verse 5. Let me show you how, how the Bible uses this word walk uh, to indicate a consistency of, of faith, or at least a consistent, uh, consistent actions. Mark chapter 7, verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked them, Why do your disciples not walk? There's the word, right? Underline walk. Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? We talked about what the passage means weeks ago when we covered this section of Mark. But what I want you to focus on now is this this word walk. The Pharisees are concerned that Jesus' disciples are consistently putting the Pharisees' traditions to the side. Well, why are they doing that? Because those traditions don't really matter. They're not God-mandated, so you don't have to do them. Uh, they're just, maybe they're good ideas, you know, but you don't have to do them. The Pharisees are saying you have to do them. Anyhow, we've already covered that, that territory. But what I want you to see is it's, it's the consistent nature. That's the way the Bible uses walk. Let me give you one more. Uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 4, Paul says, We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk. There's the word walk in newness of life. Well, what's he saying? Well, the manner that you ought to live your life by, the, the, the manner that your life ought to be characterized by is new life, Right? He's given you something. He's given you a second chance. And our lives ought to be characterized by that second chance, by the gratefulness and the gratitude and all the things that come with this idea of having a second shot. But he uses the word walk there. I think that's what Paul's trying to do here in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 15 when he says, Look carefully then how you walk. Because there's an awful lot of people over there who are still lost in darkness. And they're, joined, they're going to try to convince you that their lifestyle is the best. Paul says, their lifestyle is actually a wasted life. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It only produces death and agony. It, it, it's, it's useless. It's purpose, purposefulness. Pur, that's not what I want. It, it's, what to say. it's useless. Thank you. It's useless. That's, that section is just, a, it's just a, a waste of a life. And so we need to be careful how we walk, the consistent nature of our faith, because we don't want to be unwise, but we want to be wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. It, it's interesting here that he says make the, making the best use of our time. You know our days are numbered here, Right? In James, how does James refer to our life here? Well, It's a vapor, isn't it? You ever go out on a cold morning and you breathe and you see the, 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 your cold breath go out and it doesn't last very long, does it? It's gone just like that. James says that's what your life is like. It just goes by so fast. And so our days here are numbered and our job is too big for us. Right? Our days are numbered, and our job is too great for us. If you turn back over to Matthew chapter 9, I think we've talked about this passage quite a bit over the last several years, but uh, it's it's one of my favorites because it it just opens up my eyes to our responsibility to the world. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Jesus said, excuse me, Jesus went... Throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, there's a massive crowd around him at this point. They're coming, they're coming toward him. He looks out at this crowd and nobody sees. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They're being beaten and they don't have any defense They don't have any defense system. They're like a bunch of sheep with a pack of wolves or a pack of lions coming after them. How are they going to be saved? How are they going to survive? Because sheep don't have any defense mechanisms. They don't have any hoofs. They don't have any teeth that they can bite you with. They don't have any talons. They don't have any defense mechanisms. And when Jesus looks out at this crowd, that's what he sees. They're they're harassed. They're helpless. But what's attacking them isn't a physical thing. It's Satan. And he says that they're just, they're falling prey to it every time. And then in verse 37, he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, right? So he looks out at this massive crowd, and they're being beaten and, and just being taken advantage of at every opportunity by Satan. He's ripping them to shreds, he, 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 he's tripping them up at every opportunity, right? He, he's riddling them with sin. And these people don't have any any defense mechanism. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, they need help, but there's so few people that are willing to help them. Who, who are the people who are supposed to be helping them? That's us. That's the church. We're the ones who should be going out and helping them. And he, he looks at his disciples and he says, there's, there's so few. And then he prays in verse 38 and, and encourages them to pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. There's such a massive mission for us out there. That's why we're here, right? Disciples make disciples. That's what we talked about in Bible class this morning. Disciples make disciples. It's, it's what we do. It's in our DNA. You can't be a disciple if you're not making other disciples. If you're not studying with folks, trying to bring them to Christ. You're something, but you're not a disciple. Disciples make disciples. And so Jesus looks out at this crowd and he says, they're hurting and you have the answer. And he's afraid that we won't give them the answer, that we won't tell them about him, the only answer to their, to their sin. And so that's our job. And quite frankly, it's, it's too big for us, isn't it? This, this, this world is so massive and there's so many people in it. There's so few of us. And even here Jesus says, pray that God sends out more people who will know the answer so that they can come. Because if they hear it, they're coming, right? If if those who are lost in darkness know that there's an answer to their darkness, to their sin, they're coming. They'll be here, right? The, The problem is, He's, he's afraid we're not going to go tell them. And so our mission is incredibly big, right? But it's not just that. It, this is, it's two sides of the same coin, right? Uh, that's, that's one side of it. On the other side, uh, our job is also personal righteousness, isn't it? To be who God demands us that we be. To live devoted lives. To live lives, Paul would say, that are Worthy of our calling. That's an incredible calling, isn't it? That's an incredible job. It's one that's too big for us. And so we need to make and take advantage of every opportunity. That's what Paul's saying in this in this passage, I think. When he says, "Make the best use of time because the days are evil." There's a whole Whole world out there of people that don't know, and, and they're just living for themselves, and, and they're doing what they think is right, and they're hurtling towards condemnation. They're hurtling toward a wasted life. He says, you have the answer. Go tell them. Go let them know. Go drag them away from that. Plead with them to come to Him who has the answers for their, for their problems. We need to make the best use Of our time. And so you don't get caught up in all this stuff that he talks about earlier on in Ephesians chapter 5 because that's just a wasted life. It's a distraction, right? Not only is it sin, it's distracted you from your job the job of being righteous and sharing that righteousness with others. That's what a disciple is a righteous person who replicates themselves so he says, you, you, you need to make the best use of your time here because your time is very short and your mission is very big. So don't, don't mess around. Don't waste your life with all this other stuff that just distracts you and gets in your way. You need to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. The job is is, is too big for us and we need help. It's an awful lot like Noah. Uh, in his days, uh, he preached for 120 years, and it seems like not a single person repented. Doesn't seem like it stopped him from preaching, though, does it? What I want you to see there is, he was on a timetable, and so are we. The clock's running out. Our lives are a vapor, It's going by very quickly, and our job is very, very large. We need to make the best use of our time. Let's read really the rest of what Paul says here in 17 through 21. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's not the, that's not the first time you've heard that phrase. If you go back through and you read this, uh, this section right before, uh, in Ephesians 5, 3 through 14, Paul talks at least one other time, about understanding what the will of the Lord is. He wants you to focus on that. That should be something that drives you all the time. You're always wondering, what, what's God's will on this matter? What's, what's He think on this? What's, what's His opinion on this? Because my opinion doesn't matter if He's already spoken on the fact. I need to take up His opinion, right? And so He's always focused on what the will of the Lord is and me understanding what it is because that's how I make a productive life. If I can understand what the will of the Lord is, I'm not wasting my life. We're going to get to more specific stuff in just a second, but that's, that's a good start. Verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. That word debauchery is kind of an interesting word there. And it, it's, it's the, the axis on which this whole lesson spins. The, uh, the word there uh, it could be translated wasted, wastefulness. I think it's what Paul is saying throughout this whole section. It's just a wasted life. He says, if you're out there getting drunk, uh, if you're consumed with alcohol, it's, just, it's, just, it's, a, it's an excellent way to waste your life. There, there's nothing down that road. It's just, it's just a wasted life. And at the end of your life, you're going to look back and think, what did I do with it? I did that? It's a wasted, a wasted life. Well, how, how can I make my life count? Because I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to be 70, 80, 90 years old and thinking, I just wasted all those decades. Well, so how do I make my life count, Paul? Well Don't be drunk with wine, that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's putting these two in, in, in opposition to one another, isn't he? One or two things is going to fill your life, right? You're going to focus on one or two things, right? Matthew 6 tells us that we can't serve both God and money. It just doesn't work. You can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other, love the one and hate the other. You you can't do both. And so God says here through Paul in Ephesians 5, you're either going to be filled with, he uses alcohol here, as kind of a standing for everything that he's talked about throughout the rest of this chapter, So either you're going to be filled with that life, or you're going to be filled with the Spirit. And so, one is a waste, and one is how you make your life count. Interesting, right? So, let's read the rest of this section so don't be filled with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. There's our one another passage, at least one of them in this, this little section. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what your bulletin article is about uh, this morning. And verse 21 gives us yet another one another passage, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Now, if you're writing your Bibles, this little section here, this submitting to one another, Paul's going to uh, give you a, a more intensive course in what that means in the following ver- verses as he talks about submission in marriage, as he talks about submission submission in the workplace, um, as he talks about submission to uh, to parents uh, for for our children, um, and then masters and slaves. Submission and how it works in the first century. Uh, so he's going to get into that. We're not going to delve into that. I want to focus on what's it mean to address one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. First thing I want to talk about, though, is how do you make your life count? You connect to God. Right? You don't, you don't connect to debauchery. That's just wasted. It's just wastefulness. It's a wasted life. You don't connect to that stuff. You don't connect to alcohol, sexual immorality, and period, all that. It's a wasted life. You know, connect to that. You connect to the Spirit, right? Connect to God. You want to make your life count? Connect to Him. Devotion, right? Complete and utter devotion. Not just Sunday morning, not just Sunday night, not just Wednesday night, not just filling a pew, right? But devotion. There can be a difference. not just being connected to God though, right? You want to make your life count? Be connected to God but also be connected to His people. The church is important. The church is so, so important. It is God's vehicle to share His truth with the lost and dying world. But it's also our vehicle to encourage one another, right? You guys remember the quarantine? It's pretty rough, right? When we were doing virtual worship it was a good stand-in it served a purpose for a short period of time. I don't think it's a good alternative to run with forever, though, right? You remember that first Sunday we came back, and everybody was singing, and you were like, this, this, I've missed this, right? There's there's, there's something you miss in virtual worship. It, like I said, if you're sick, and if you're traveling uh, for a couple weeks, it's a good stand-in, right? It's better than nothing, but let's not do it forever, you know? The goal is to get back here, to be together, so that we can, what? Address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's encouragement that we derive from hearing each other's voices and seeing each other's faces as we sing. I kind of wish we could sing in a circle. I don't know why we're all pointed this direction when we're singing. It'd be nice if we could see each other, right? People look at you weird if you turn around and look at them, though. So, <laughs> But there, there's encouragement, there's teaching that's involved as we sing. Paul indicates here that there's also something that ought to be pouring out of us as we sing. And that's what your bulletin article is about tonight. Uh, as we sing uh, in just a little bit, and as we sing tonight, the thing that ought to be pouring out of us is Thankfulness, right? Thankfulness, gratitude at what God has done for us and ultimately at God for who He is. When you go back through and you read the Genesis um, account of creation, it ought to stop your mind. We read through the verses very quickly, don't we? They're short. And we read through them very quickly and we don't always pay attention to what's going on. But he literally breathed out all of creation like that. I mean, if you could have been standing there at the epicenter of creation when all this stuff just starts flying past you, all would have been the only thing that you could have thought of. When you stop and think, That the God who created that came to the cross and was mocked and ridiculed so that he can have a relationship with you, the one thought that you may be having isn't all, but thankfulness, just incredible gratitude at his generosity. Right? The, the, The reasonable response to what he's done is thankfulness. I think that's what Paul is trying to get across to us here in verse 20. As we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together, we make melody in our heart. We do that appropriately, right? Jesus said to worship in spirit and in truth. That's the truth part. But in verse 20, he, he says in the spirit part, give give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of, through the thor- by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what ought to pour out of our hearts as we sing. It's not just words, right? The words are just uh, touchstones that that we jump from, like like you would jump across a creek to get to one side to the other. you touch the stones to get in to get through the to get across to the creek. These are touchstones. these words as we sing are just memories flashing through our mind that that push us to greater thankfulness that's one of the things that we do as we sing, and it's one of the things that we miss in virtual worship. It's hard, right? It's hard. That's the one or another passage that I want to talk about this morning. Turn to Psalm 73. There's, there's, a, there's a twist in here that I, I don't want us to miss. Psalm 73. Worship does something. Um, that that nothing else is capable of doing, at least in my experience, and I think biblically speaking, it's the only thing that can do this. Psalm 73, you find a guy named Asaph. Uh, He is a Psalm writer. We don't really know all that much about this guy, but we know he wrote Psalm 73. And in Psalm 73, he gives us a little bit of insight into his life. You see there in the first couple of verses that Asaph looks around at the people in his community and they are evil, wicked people. And they're flourishing. They're doing just fine. They've got a full bank account. They're they're healthy. Their kids are growing up strong. And Asaph is mad. (laughs) He's also envious. Why have I made all these sacrifices to follow God, to be righteous, to live a devoted life? Because it takes sacrifice, doesn't it? Why have I made those sacrifices when they haven't made any of those sacrifices and they're doing just fine? He's a little envious, isn't he? Let me, let me read it for you. Psalm 73, verse 1. He says, Truly God is good to Israel to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, he's going to struggle with that for a bit. Uh, and Psalm 73 is just kind of unique uh, in that it walks you through his, his train of thought here. It's, it's really beautiful, actually. But picture Asaph, he's looking over there at the wicked people, and he says, why are good things happening to them? Why are they flourishing when they haven't had to make any of these sacrifices that I've had to make? And he's envious of them. And then he start, starts walking over to the temple. Listen to what happens when he gets to the temple in Verse 16. But when I thought how to understand this, he's still struggling with this stuff, right? It seemed to me a wearisome task. He's he's fed up, right? Until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I discerned what? Their end. Asaph is aware of what happens after they die. Things may look like They're getting off scot-free now. And Asaph has come to the understanding after his worship that that is not the case. You don't get to mock God and just get to live scot-free. Even if nothing bad happens here, he says, well, on the Day of Judgment, condemnation is going to happen. And so the sacrifice and the devotion that I have now is 155% worth it because of that. Worship changes your perspective on things, doesn't it? And you've probably experienced something much like what Asaph has experienced in Psalm 73. You've come to worship, you've been worried about something, or you've been mad about something. You ever done that? And you come in, and you're kind of kicking the cat and stuff, and you <laughs> open the door, and you're, you're, your mind is angry, or your mind is worried, and you come to worship, and you start singing the song, and you start hitting those touchstones, Right? Do you do that? Am I the only one? That, like? I'm not the only one that does that, right? Your mind starts hitting those songs and you start thinking and all of a sudden thankfulness starts hitting your heart and your mind and the worry and the anger or whatever you're dealing with it starts fading into the background, doesn't it? Worship has this incredible ability to make us focus on what's really important. It also seems true from Ephesians 5 that worship helps us make the best use of our time here. Once you encounter the holy, it's a whole lot easier to spot the evil, isn't it? Worship brings us front and center with the holy so that when we leave our worship and encounter evil evil in the world, it's lost its seductive nature. You saw that with Asaph, right? He, he was entranced by it a little bit. He was envious of it. He, he wanted what they had. It's got a seductive nature. But when we come to worship, that seductive nature sloughed off. We see it for what it really is. Because worship pushes us into deeper personal righteousness. And we all play a part in that. You play a part in the person who's sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you, and around you. You play a part in their personal righteousness by your singing. You address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Giving thanks. That rubs off. It's not just you. We often think maybe that Christianity is a personal thing. It's not. It's a community thing. It's the church. It's the call-out. It's the ecclesia. It's the group. Right? It's not ever about the individual. It's about the group. And so we help each other. We address one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we give thanks. But all that rubs off on the people around us. Long story short, we need each other. We need each other. To be who God wants us to be. To do this life right. To get our mission accomplished. We need each other because the mission's too great for us, isn't it? Personal righteousness is very difficult. It's next to impossible all on your own. If you're by yourself, it's very, very difficult, isn't it? But when you're in a group, the called out, the church, it's much easier. And so if you want to make your life count... You get connected to God. You become devoted to Him. And you get connected to His people. The church. This. <laughs> this church. Right? Not the church as a whole. Not the, not the, not, I'm not talking general church. Uh, church worldwide. It would be nice if we were connected to the Nigerian church that we sponsor and to the Scottish church that we sponsor. I want to be connected to them. But I'm talking about Rome. You be connected here. Build friendships here. Serve here. Right? Pour your life into this congregation and we all help each other get to heaven. It's kind of beautiful, right? So, you want to make your life count? You don't want to waste your life at the end of your life. You don't want to be laying in a bed thinking, I wish I'd have done more. You want to make your life count? Get connected to God, get connected to His people. That's what Paul says here in Ephesians 5. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, your sins are still laid on your account. You cannot be righteous without Christ. you got to get inside of Christ. He's the only way to righteousness. So if you haven't been baptized this morning and you want to make that to happen today, we want to aid you in that request uh, as you obey Scripture and your sins are, are washed away and you walk in newness of life. Maybe you've already made the decision this morning. And you just need to state the prayers of this congregation to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've been given. We want to help you in any way we can. Won't you come as we stand and sing?
3: Someday you'll stand at the bar on high. Someday your record you'll see. Someday you'll answer the question of life. What will your end be. What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your answer be? Sadly, you'll stand if you're there. Trembling, you fall on your knees. Facing the sentence of life or of death, what will their sentence be? What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? what will your hand serve me? Now is the time to prepare, my friend, make your soul spotless and free. Washed in the blood of the crucified one, he will your hand serve me. What will it be? What will it be? Where will you spend your eternity? What will it be? Oh, what will it be? What will your answer be?
6: Please, good morning, church family. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you couple announcements. I have a lot of announcements. I'm going to try to go through them as quickly as possible this morning. Um, remember, tonight is our third Sunday singing. Uh, out in the foyer, there's a easel sign out there for you to write down your favorite hymn and your, uh, write down the page number. We'll be more than happy to sing uh, that song for you, so please uh, remember to do that before you leave. Also, remember, Young at Heart will be meeting Tuesday morning at 1030 um, we'll have a short Devo and then head to our destination in Ironton. Also, the preschool uh, Wee Shine apple tree is out in the foyer. Uh, please grab an apple. Uh, help um, the, the preschool here at Rome. Uh, Wee Shine with the school supplies they need uh, for this week. I know Monday's open house. They're getting ready for open house on Monday, and then school starts on Wednesday for them. Also, our sympathy to Mildred Jones' brother, Dalton Lewis, who recently passed away. So remember Mildred Jones and that family in your prayers at this time. Also, our sympathy to uh, Dennis Casey's family at the passing of his wife, Pamela. Um, Remember their family uh, in your prayers at this time. They used to attend Rome several years ago. So remember them. Also, we express our sympathy this morning to the passing of Sherry Royce. Uh, Sherry passed away Friday of COVID, Um, so remember her in your prayers. uh, The the visitation is at 1 o'clock at Halls, and the funerals is at 2 o'clock at Halls Funeral Home. So uh, please make an opportunity to um, to make that, help support the family. Also, uh, Alan Payne uh, has been at Cabell Hospital for several days uh, being treated for pancreatitis. And um, he is now at home recovering. So remember him in your prayers. Um, as mentioned earlier, remember continue to keep Ed Walls in your prayers. He's at home at Saint, not at home. I'm sorry. He's at Saint Mary's in a coma at this time. So remember that family as uh, they go through this difficult time. Remember continue to keep Kelly Williams in your prayers. Uh, she's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, She had an appointment Thursday, um, and remember to keep uh, them in your prayers as they uh, make a decision on what they're planning on doing with that. Uh, Amber Payne has also asked prayers for her cousin, Christine Nelson, who has COVID and has been placed on a ventilator and is also in a coma at this time. So remember to keep Christine um, Nelson in your prayers. Uh, Norma Dennison is undergoing physical therapy. She has broken her knee so remember to keep her in your prayers as she continues on going through physical therapy. And uh, John Klein has had uh, knee surgery and has had some complications from that knee surgery and may need um, more surgery coming up uh, soon for that. So remember to keep John Klein in your prayers. Also prayers are being requested for Beverly Wilson who has cancer and the condition is serious, so remember her in your prayers. Um, Also, remember to continue to keep Kristen Ward in your prayers as well. Um, Hopefully, she gets to come home today, and remember to continue to keep Rusty Leap in your prayers. He uh, had surgery Friday, and uh, he's at home recovering uh, from his recent surgery. Um, Remember, all our kids, they all start back to school Wednesday, or... elementary through high school kids start school Wednesday. Remember them in your prayers, and um, we have a lot of college students that are heading to college, and um, that uh, maybe some have already left. Maybe some are leaving this week uh, to head to school. Uh, my only advice is um, parents that are sending their college kids away for the first time, uh, don't cry and drive at the same time. Um, it's not not a good thing, but... Uh, but remember all those kids who are going to college this week as well. That's all the announcements I have. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and we be dismissed in prayer.
2: Yes, I'll please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 756, When We All Get to Heaven. We'll sing the first two verses, and then Brother Trevor Egner will lead us in prayer. <clears throat>
3: Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his praise. In the mansions from and blessing, give free therefore us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that we be. When we all We'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky, but when traveling,
4: thank you for the day and all the blessings of it. Lord, we thank you for the time. We've had to be in your house to hear your word, to be with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we ask that you be with us this week as we go our separate ways. Pray that you would guide and direct us and watch over us. Lord, we pray for those who are on the prayer list. Lord, there are many. We pray that you be with them, in their upcoming tests and procedures, and just that your healing hand be with them. Lord, be with uh, the teachers and the, the students and uh, the college kids as they go to, back to school this week pray, Lord, that uh, they would look to you for strength and guidance and uh, they would have a good year. And finally, Father, we pray again that you'd be with uh, the Walls family this week as uh, it may well be a difficult week, and we'll just asking, and pray that you'd comfort, and, uh, comfort them. Be with us and watch over us in all we do. In Jesus' name, amen.